Bibles if we could. 1 Samuel chapter number 10 in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter number 10, as you turn there, uh, Brother Nate did mention this in his prayer, but I want to reiterate that. Uh, This morning, if you're glad to be in church, even if you're having to watch on live stream this morning, if you're glad to be able to gather together in this building or glad to be able to gather together in your home with a copy of the Word of God without fear, if you're thankful for that, number one, let God know how thankful you are for that, but number two, pray for those dear people over in Afghanistan. I don't know exactly what's going on there. I don't know if uh, any of us really know what's going on there. There's a lot of conflicting reports, but I'll be honest with you, as a dad and as a pastor, uh, this morning my heart is very heavy thinking about those Christian dads who are hunkered down in their homes this morning with their children, not knowing what's going to befall them because they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think about those pastors. There's pastors over there this morning. I I don't know if they're leading their congregations, but just imagine this morning the burden that they're bearing, knowing that they could very well give their life in the coming days simply because they've trusted Christ as their Savior. Folks, this morning we're not facing that threat. And it's because of of the grace of God. We should be thankful for that, but let's pray for those dear people this morning. My prayer for them, when I prayed for them this morning, was simply this. God, give them the grace to do whatever your will is. It may be the will of God that some of them become martyrs. I ask God, give them the grace to be able to stand up to do that and to do it with strength and courage and boldness as a child of God, as Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to do. Then I ask God to just keep a hedge of protection about them if God will to be able to get out of there. So let's pray for them. Pray for our members this morning that are dealing uh, with this virus, continuing to deal with that. It is good to see you back here this morning. So we're going to read and we're going to pray. When we pray, let's remember those requests this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number 10, for the sake of time, we're going to skip a little bit, okay? So follow along with me. We're about to read about Israel getting their first king in King Saul. We're going to pick up in verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, and kissed him, and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? All right, so God has, uh, God has allowed, and I'll explain that to you here in just a minute, God has allowed Israel to have a king. That's not his uh, perfect will, but he is allowing that in his permissive will, and now Samuel has come to anoint Saul and has anointed him. Now, the next few verses, he's going to tell him uh, some of the things that are going to verify, even to Saul, how God has called him and that he has called them. We'll not take the time to read that this morning. Skip over to verse number 17. Now, God is bringing Samuel and Saul before the people, that now God can verify that for the people, okay? Normally, we should just trust God and take God at his word, but these are very stubborn people. I read uh, Matthew Henry's commentary on this passage last night, uh, and he says they're very peevish people. Uh, They're very temperamental people, and they don't trust God, and so they have to have some type of verification. In verse number 17, we're seeing God, in his long-suffering, he's going to allow the people to have a part uh, and finding out who their king is going to be. So watch verse 17. And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah and said unto the children of Israel, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms and of them that oppressed you. And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. 
Now, therefore, by the way, I told my wife this last night. We were having family altar. Right there at verse number 19, when they've told God they'll not have a king, they'll not uh, have a prophet over them, they want a king over them. If I was God, I probably would have zapped them right there. It would have been over. But watch how merciful a God we have. God says, now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence, and when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. Last verse, verse 24, and Samuel said to all the people, see ye him who the Lord hath chosen, that there's none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. But we read a lot this morning, so let's pray and ask God to help us with that. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the message that you sent. And Father, on a personal note, I'm always so thankful, Lord, that we can spend time with you in prayer, spend time with you in your word, and you always give us exactly what you want. Father, this is what you've sent. Uh, Father, not what I've desired, and I'm so thankful, Father, because I know, Lord, if it's your word, it's quick and powerful and it's sharp, and I pray it would accomplish all that you sent it to this morning. Lord, for all that's going on in the world, could we set aside our cares for just a few minutes that we might be intent in hearing your word and receiving it and responding to it. As Brother Nate mentioned, Father, if there's one here lost today, show them their need for Christ. Help them be saved before it's too late in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a lot going on here. We're going to try to unravel it in the time that the Lord will allow us to do that. Uh, but I need to introduce it for you just a little bit for a few minutes right quick. Uh, one of the most unexpected things that I have found in this virus has been the shortages uh, of things that are in our world, okay? Shortages of just common necessities uh, that we have in life. I mean, shortages that have really disrupted our life when we go to Walmart to get something. And I looked up last night all of the things that have really been on shortage since COVID has come our way almost two years ago. Now, I think we all know about the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. Uh, that's going to go down in history books forever. And some of you are probably still using some of that toilet paper that you hoarded uh, in 2020. So I think we remember that one. Uh, I think the men in here would probably remember the gun shortage, ammo shortage, you know, when all of that started, everything began flying off the shelves and we'd recognize that. When hand sanitizer, uh, I mean, they were selling that on the black market, you know, uh, marking it up 10 times the price for that stuff. And I think we've all probably seen the coin shortage. Uh, just surprised me how much COVID disrupted our lives and caused so many shortages. But <clears throat> what was amazing was with some of the things that I did not realize there were shortages of. And I'm going to share some of those with you right now. Come to find out, we have a PlayStation 4 shortage. Now, I didn't know anything about that. Some of our young men uh, might understand that. But I guess when you're home all the time and have nothing to do, uh, you want to play a video game. So we have a PlayStation 4 shortage in America, evidently. Another thing that surprised me on that list was small gold bars. All right, I don't know the difference in a small one and a large one, but evidently we have a shortage of small gold bars. I would agree with that. We have a shortage at our house of small gold bars. I haven't found one yet in our house anywhere, except for those Hershey's nuggets, man. You know, they're kind of little gold bars. They taste better than, than the real ones, but evidently there's a shortage of those. There's also a shortage. I wouldn't know this because my wife cooks wonderful meals. 
there's a shortage of TV dinners, all right? Now, some of you are shaking your head. Yeah, your wife's going to get you when you get home, all right? You just messed up. There's a shortage of TV dinners in America, evidently. Uh, I'll have to check that out next time I go to Walmart. But then here's the scary one, all right? I'm going to tell you why it's scary. Evidently, I read this, listen, on Forbes' website. And when you read it online, you know it's true, okay? On Forbes' website, they say we have a shortage in America right now of cats. Of cats. Now, when cats came behind TV dinners, I got to be honest with you, it kind of frightened me a little bit. Are you putting two and two together? We have a shortage of TV dinners. You know, people start getting desperate. You know, and all this time, I thought you people that had all of those cats were doing that just because you love them. I had no idea that was your emergency food source running around your yard. You know, poor cats have no idea, all right? We have a shortage in cats in America. Uh, also, I notice on that list, we have a shortage of memory foam beds. <laughs> Go figure. Somebody took the time to put this together, okay? So I thought I would put their work to use by sharing it with you. I guess if you're home all the time, you're sleeping a lot, and therefore you needed a memory foam bed. Makes total sense to me. The last one just really threw me for a curveball. Evidently, in America right now, we have, a, because of COVID, a great shortage of roller skates. Go figure. I don't know. Maybe because gas is so high, people are hoofing it to work, you know, and they got tired of walking, so they've gone out to get some roller skates. It's just been amazing, hasn't it? We go to Walmart. I mean, my wife came into Walmart the other day. She said, look, that was kind of frightening. I says, what? You know, because sometimes Walmart could just be frightening by itself. And I said, what was it? She goes, the, the, the shelves were kind of bare. You know, they were out of this, they were out of that. She says they didn't have any water, didn't have any Gatorades. There's just a shortage right now. I looked it up on Walmart's website. They're investing $14 billion, I think, over the next few years uh, to increase their supply chain and, and get that up to speed. But COVID has revealed a lot of shortages and caused a lot of shortages right now in our world. But can I tell you this morning, we're going to preach about this for a few minutes. What I believe one of the greatest commodities that we have maintained a shortage of in the last 18 months to two years. One of the greatest things that I believe we are lacking right now in America that we desperately need even more than TV dinners and cats, I believe we have a tremendous shortage of answers, don't we? We have a tremendous shortage of answers. I told you last week, I reluctantly told you that unfortunately, there's a lot of questions I have been asked in the last 18 months, and the answer has been simply, I don't know. I don't know. Politically, medically, you know, all what's going on economically in our, wor in our world. And we have a lot of questions, but it seems like right now we have very few answers. And I believe near about we're saying that our questions are outpacing our answers three to one. Hard to come up with answers for what we're going through. Right now our heads are kind of on a swivel, aren't they? We turn to this website. We turn to this website. We turn to this person, we turn to that person, and it's amazing that we have all of this information around us. I mean, we are drowning in information, and yet we still are lacking answers. Isn't that amazing? We're living in the information age. You can go online and Google just about anything you want, including weird things that we are running short on during COVID. And you find out things like cats and roller skates and gold bars. You, we, listen, we are living in an age of information, and yet it seems like the more information we get, the less answers we get. I think we'd all agree with that this morning. Interesting statistic. In 1472, the finest university library was Queen's College in Cambridge. Listen to this. 
It contained a whopping total, this library, of 199 books. We have more than that in our library. I mean, we can say we got more than the Cambridge, okay? Don't tell them it's 1472, but we could say that. Now there are 60,000 new books released in the United States each year and 300,000 worldwide. We're living in the information age. 18,000 magazines are published each year in the United States alone, and 400,000 scholarly journals are published annually in the world. Listen, we're living in the age of information, and we're drowning in information, but what we're lacking is what we need, and what we need is answers. We need an answer to the things we're going through. We need answers for what lies ahead. We need answers for our children. We need answers for our family. But here's the problem this morning. All of the information and the knowledge that man is accruing in the world we're living in cannot give us what only the wisdom of God can impart to his people. I'm so thankful this morning that God has the answers we're looking for. But so often we look everywhere else, don't we? We look to this person and that person in the internet and we look to articles and we're looking for answers to what only God can give us. And after a while we hear this opinion and that opinion and we get so conflicted with all the information. Here's what we do. We just throw it all out, don't we? You know what? We just forget it all. I heard a story once about a Baptist preacher and a Methodist preacher were standing on opposite sides of the road holding up signs. And the Baptist preacher's sign says, the end is near. On the other side of the street was the Methodist preacher. He was holding up a sign that says, turn before it's too late. And they just stood there by the road and folks would come up and down the road and they're hollering out the window, get a real job. Or calling them Jesus freaks or religious fanatics. Well, after the man passed on through, a few minutes later you heard a crash and you heard a splash. The Baptist preacher looked over at the Methodist preacher he says, you think it would have worked better if we just held up signs that say bridge out? They were trying to be a help to people, but you had this guy saying this and this guy saying this, and after a while, nobody wanted to listen, and they go off in the water. That's what we're doing. We're listening to this guy, and we're listening to this guy about all the things that are going on, but I can, can I help you this morning? I really do want to help you as quickly as possible. God has never run out of answers for the problems that we're facing. We may have run out of water and Gatorade and cats and TV dinners, but God has the answers for what we're looking for, and the good news is God wants to give us access to that. God wants us to know the answers for our heart and our home and our nation and our church, but we've got to learn how to get access to God's answers, and that's what we're going to preach on this morning, gaining access to God's answers. My dad's favorite preacher of old, Vance Havner, said, if you lack wisdom or lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, go to God. This morning, I think we need to go to God for the answers we need. And in this passage, oddly enough, I believe we're going to find out how to gain access to God's answers. Let's look at it this morning if we could. So what's happening here? Israel's about to get their first king. Now understand this. I mentioned a moment ago, this is not God's perfect will. Up until now, God had prophets over them. Now watch this. God had prophets to give spiritual leadership. They have rejected the spiritual leadership of their nation, and they have desired now to have what boils down to what we would understand as political leadership. Now, you see, watch this. When you reject spiritual leadership, all that you're left with dealing with is political leadership. And can I tell you, we are seeing that unfold in America this morning. 
We rejected the spiritual leadership of Almighty God over this wonderful nation, and now we are left with political leadership that leads by personal ambition. That's what you're left with. But watch this. Even though they're stiff-necked and hard-headed, we read that over in verse 18 and 19 a moment ago, even though they're undeserving of God to answer what they've asked for, notice... The Bible says, verse number 19, or, or verse number 17, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call everybody together. Everybody together. Now, here's what's interesting, and we're going to give you point number one. You look down in verse 19 and verse number 20. They come together to find out who God had selected for them. The people didn't know, okay? The people are trying to find out the answer. Who is going to be our king? But here's something amazing. Look back to verse number one. Look back to verse number one. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now watch this. The first thing we've got to understand this morning, if we're going to gain access to God's answers is this. God has the answer in advance. Now, verse 19 and 20, they're trying to figure it out, aren't they? Man, thousands and thousands of people gather together before Saul, and they're like, oh my goodness, thousands of people here. we got to figure out which one out of all of the thousands is the right answer. But notice back in verse number one, God had already decided what the answer was. The answer was Saul. Now, you need to allow this truth to give you some peace today, okay? I want to encourage you today. I really do. You need to allow this truth to give you some peace that God had the answer before they ever had the question. Notice that. They're, they're gathering together trying to figure out who God wants. God, what's the answer? Thousands of people. What do we do? God says, I already know what I'm going to do. As a matter of fact, I have already anointed him, and his name is Saul. Can I tell you, I've had a lot of questions in the last little while. A lot of questions, a lot of answers that I've needed in my life. And I'm sitting there on my knees begging, God, God, there's thousands of options here. God, I don't know exactly which direction you'd have us go, but you know, long before I ever bowed a knee, God had already had the answer to what I needed before I ever asked him the question. Now, folks, let that give you some peace today. I mean, listen, we're looking at all the thousands of options of things going on in our world I mean, we see what's happening in Afghanistan. We see what's happening in our politics. We see what's happening economically. We see what's happening in Walmart. And oh, it's frightening. And we're not sure what to do. Here, listen, the good news is God has the answer long before we ask him. And if we're willing to go to him, listen, as a loving father, he's going to give us what we need. By the way, we're just as undeserving as they are. They had rebelled against God. They says, God, we don't want your leaders. I'm telling you, I would have zapped them right there. All right? You don't want my leadership? Start all over. I mean, seriously. Look, you know there's something like that inside you too. Don't pretend like it's not. I see how you look at me sometimes while I'm preaching, okay? I know it's in there. It may not get out often, but I know it's in there. And yet God says, watch this, as undeserving as you are, I'm going to help you find the answer to what you're looking for. Now, imagine this scene. What did the Bible say? Look over, if you will, to verse 19. Look at that last word in verse 19. The Bible says, Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. By your thousands. That's a lot to work through, isn't it? That's a lot to work through. Can I tell you, God knew the one before they ever started going through the thousands. 
This morning, can I tell you, there's great peace in my heart today knowing that we're facing, it seems like, a sea of questions, thousands and thousands and thousands, but God knows the answer long before we come to him. You know that God wasn't sitting up in heaven thinking, I wonder which one it is. You know, God God didn't go around and say, angels, we're going to take a poll. Which one do you think? And God's up there in heaven and say, okay, we're going to take a vote up here and find out which guy is going to be the best king. No, no, no. God already knew that. Listen, even though we're scrambling this morning, trying to find answers, the good news is God had the answers for this long before we ever got here. And if we as his people would seek his will, we'd find the answers that our heart desperately needs this morning. What peace there is in knowing that God already knows. Now, here we are 3,000 years later. Can I tell you something? Nothing's changed. God has the answer before you ask the question. God's prepared what we need, and God has left us what we need, and he'll give us what we need. But this morning, here's the problem. We've got to look to him first. I think about Abraham and Isaac. I read it, I read it again this morning. Just amazing, thinking about all that was going through Abraham's heart. Can you imagine if God spoke to you and told you you had to sacrifice your child? All right? Now, now you know, some of you might... You know, think about it, but you know, you're thinking about, you know, that one is a little bit odd. You know, everybody has that odd kid. I do. You know, everybody has that weird one in the household, and you're thinking, oh, okay, you know. But he only had one. God says, I want you to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Could we just put ourselves there for a moment? You know, Abraham had questions. You know, he had questions. What am I going to tell Isaac? What am I going to tell Sarah? I mean, what do the neighbors think? I wonder what God's doing with all this. Look, he had questions. He had questions. But you know what he did? He just remained obedient. Through the fire, get the wood, he'll go up the mountain. And then all of a sudden, Isaac asked him the question. There's a fire, there's a wood. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Boy, I just know his heart sank. What are we going to do? And he says, God will provide himself a lamb. You go up on that mountain, Abraham's just being obedient. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to be obedient. He draws back that knife to take Isaac's life. And God had already provided a ram over in the thicket. In my heart, and this is my opinion, I believe that ram was already there. Long before Abraham ever started up that mountain, the answer was already there. God knew what he was going to do. Listen, God wasn't in a panic mode. Abraham's heart was probably racing, but God was at peace. Why? Because God knew exactly what he was going to do. Now listen to verse 14 of Genesis 22. This is amazing. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Do you know what that means? God's going to show up. You may have questions. Don't worry. God's going to show up. It says, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord provides. God knows what he's going to do. Listen, God's not panicked about 2021. God's not panicked about COVID. God's not panicked about politics. God's not panicked about Afghanistan. Why? He knows exactly what he's going to do. And he knew exactly what he was going to do long before we ever got here. That's why we as the people of God, like Abraham, just remain obedient until God shows up. What did he say? He says, this is the place it shall be seen. That was not a comfortable place to be, I assure you getting ready to take the life of his only son, and yet he just remained obedient. Why? Because he knew God knew what he was doing, and God was going to show up when he was ready. 
Let's think about Esther. I've read Esther a lot the last few months. We think about Esther and how God's people are about to be annihilated. And by the way, not only are they about to be annihilated, this sinister plot has unfolded to where it means certain death. The king has sealed it. There's no way out. There's not even the king himself. I mean, Haman had brought about this plot so well, there's no hope. There's no answer, right? If only God had somebody in on the inside, right? If only God had somebody in there who had access to the king who might have his ear and be able to help some way. If only God had thought about that in advance and had the answer waiting. Oh, he did. He did. And her name was Esther. God, listen, God had his spy on the inside. God already had the answer in advance. And when the, listen, old Haman's sitting back there in his house and he's writing down his evil plot, you know? He's writing out just how he's going to do it. He's going to get old Mordecai. He's going to wipe out all of God's people. Oh, he's got the plan. And boy, he's just sitting there thinking, they have no idea what I'm doing. They have no idea. Oh, it's going to be perfect. We're going to seal it with the king's ring. They have no idea. He had no idea God was already ahead of him. He had no idea that God had already brought Esther into the kingdom. God says, I've got your answer in advance. Isn't that wonderful this morning? Knowing that no matter what we face tomorrow, God already has the answer for it. God was already prepared for it. He's not surprised by that. It reminds me years ago. I don't know. Is Radio Shack still in existence? Used to be a store called Radio Shack. All right, not too long ago. I'm not that old. Not too long ago. And their motto was this. You got questions. We got answers. Radio Shack was the coolest place for a teenage guy. You, know, you go in there, they have all of these little gadgets and gadgets and wires, and you put them together, and you're, you know, you're, you're making the next wonderful invention. Really, you're making nothing, but you think you are. And you go in there, Radio Shack, maybe your, maybe your cordless phone, that used to be a thing. You know, maybe your cordless phone battery went out. And you're like, man, where do I find one of those clunky green little batteries? Radio Shack. Look, they got it. They got it. Or maybe a transistor goes out, maybe your radio or something like that. Radio Shack, they had it, and we would go to Radio Shack, and they always had what we need. It'd be wonderful if we treated God like Radio Shack. We got questions, he's got answers. So you know what? He's got the answers more than Radio Shack does. Look, you may have an odd problem in your life, like those odd batteries in the phone. Look, he's got that. He's got that. And by the way, he had the answer long before you ever had the problem. So number one, notice this. If you're going to gain access to God's answers, you better realize God has the answer in advance. Now, why do you need to understand that? Why do we have to get that first? Because you need to look there first. If he has the answers, why would we go looking anywhere else? Do you know why we're so panicked? We're so panicked because we're looking everywhere else that doesn't have the answers. When my wife walked out of Walmart, she wasn't panicked, okay? But she goes, that was a little bit scary. Why? Because she had gone somewhere who didn't have what she needed. Look, that's why we're panicked. Because we're going places to find peace and joy and contentment and answers. We're going places, the internet. Listen, our friends, no, listen, no offense to our friends, but friends are even 50-50. God's 100%. So go to him in advance. Why? He's got the answer. I was reading 2 Chronicles seven fourteen this week. And we know that verse well. But oftentimes, I really do think, I've mentioned this before, we don't go back and read verse 13. Now, what does verse 14 say? If I, verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. You know what that is? That's an answer. That's an answer. 
God says, here's the answer. But you know, oftentimes we don't read verse 13. Listen close. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, listen to the last part, or if I send pestilence among my people. Do you know what he was doing? The word if. The word if means future, potential. If I do this, here's the answer in advance. God was giving them the band-aid before they ever got cut. That's the goodness of God. God says, listen, I'm giving you the answer in advance. And if you'll just listen to my answer, perhaps this morning you won't have to go through the pestilence as long. I wonder this morning how often we neglect this answer that God has given us in advance. How often do we pass this thing up, looking everywhere else, before we finally turn to this? God says, look, I gave you the answers in advance. So number one, if we're going to gain access to God's answers, we're going to have to realize God's got them and has had them all along. You think about the greatest problem you ever faced in your life that you needed an answer for. What was it? The greatest problem that you faced in your life that you needed an answer for, that was the answer of how to get to heaven. How do I have and how do I inherit eternal life? Do you know what the Bible says about Christ in Revelation chapter 13? The Bible describes Christ as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Don't ask me to explain that to you on how it works. All that I know is long before I ever had a sin problem, Christ stood before God as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He had the answer in advance. One day when I have more than a human brain, I'm going to get him to explain that to me. Right now, it just blows up. But I'm so thankful that long before I had the question, he had the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. So number one, if you want to gain access to God's answers, realize he has the answers in advance. Number two, look down. Chapter number 10. The Bible says, verse 17, the Lord and Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah. Now, here's what's amazing. Unfortunately, these people did not trust God. So how do you know that? Well, because God told them they needed a king, and they didn't trust him enough for that. And so God says, okay, I'm going to let you have a king. Now, here's what's sad. Here's what's sad. They could have just trusted God and said, God, tell us who you want, and we'll just go with what you say. But no, God knew the hardness of their heart, and so God is about to go through this extensive process to reveal to him what his will was. Now, this is important. Oftentimes, because we don't take God at his word, God has to take us through extensive processes for us to be able to see what he could have told us all along. Now, this is important. Number two, if you want to gain access to God's answers, the second thing you need to realize is answers often get delayed by doubt. Our answers get delayed by doubt. You say, well, how does that work? Imagine all they're about to go through. They're about to sort through thousands of people to find the one answer that God could have told them if they just would have listened. But God knew that the hardness of their heart, he was going to have to reveal it to them. God says, I'm going to have to go through this whole process and let you take part in this before you realize that the guy that I chose already is the guy that you're supposed to have. Now, folks, when you doubt God, you're delaying the answers that God has for you. When you doubt God, so what do you mean by that? Well, this morning, it would have been a whole lot easier if they just listened to God. But they chose not to listen to God, so God says, you're going to go through this whole process to eventually find out what you would have found out if you would have just listened. What do we call that? We call that learning the hard way, right? 
learning the hard way. Uh, I tell people that I went to Experience University. I went to Bible college, but my goodness, can I tell you, I went to Experience University working with my dad down there at the church. And I'll tell you, a lot of my experience came from the mistakes I made. Didn't have to, but sometimes we have to go through these processes to find out what God wants for us. Now, I have to be honest, they, they got it honest. Do you know who these were the descendants of? These people were the descendants of those who came out of Egypt. God says, look, I've got plans for you. I've got a will for you. I want to take you to the promised land. Should have took them about 11 days. 11 days. Do you know how long it took them? 40 years. Talking about making a short trip long. I mean, I know I can uh, make a short story long, but my goodness. 11 days to 40 years. Can I tell you why it took them the long way to get there? They doubted God. They doubted God. They delayed what God wanted for them by 40 years. Why? They doubted him. God says, just trust me. Listen, make this journey go where I'm calling you to. He says, no, we're not sure about that. There's giants over there. We're not sure if we can take them. And they doubted and they doubted and they doubted. Every time we doubt God, we delay the answers that we're seeking. I believe, look, 18 months into this mess that we're living in right now, I believe many of us are still doubting God. We're like those career college students. You ever know one of them? You ever be one of them? You know, they crown a four-year degree into six years. I had a few of those I went to college with, and I would ask them, hey, man, you know, why are you still here? You know, I expected my daughter to come go to college with some of them. They're just career college students. And they said, well, I'm just undecided on my major. I'm like, man, look, before I go to college, I'm going to nail it down as quick as possible. Why? Because I don't want to be there any longer than I have to be. And the longer you're undecided, the longer it's going to take to you to get what you're looking for. Now, folks, that's why we don't have the answers we're looking for today. We're undecided. We're doubting God. Listen, they could have got the answer for what they were looking for if they had just been obedient to listen to God. But God says, no, I'm going to have to let you go through this whole process so that you find out what I wanted for you all along. Sounds like James 1, doesn't it? James 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, notice it didn't say knowledge. Why? Knowledge is information. We don't need any more information. We need answers. That's wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. Listen, and it shall be given him. God says, you need answers, I got them. God says, I'm better than Radio Shack. You need answers, I got them. I just want you to ask and I'll give them to you. But watch this, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Now listen to this. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I said, the guy that's wavering, the guy that's doubting, you're not going to get the answer. You're not going to get the answer. Now, folks, we need answers this morning. We don't need any more knowledge. We don't need more information. We got enough of that. We're drowning in it. What we need is answers. And God says, the answer's my wisdom, and I want you to have it. But you've got to ask me, and when you ask me, you ask without wavering. It's because if you waver, you're not getting anything from me. And folks, we're not getting very far, are we? It's like a broken record over and over. You know what we're doing? We're reliving these processes. Why? Because we don't realize this morning what we need is something we can only get from God, and we're doubting God. The sad thing is if you'll do some math, God had the answer in verse 1, didn't he? When did they get the answer? Verse 22. 
Verse 22. They finally got on page with God 22 verses later. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you know a lot can happen in 22 verses? 22 verses is a lot of time to waste getting on the same page with God. So what do you mean by that? I think about David this morning when David decided to go his own way and rebel against God. Do you know a lot happened before David got back on the same page with God? He lost three of his children. He lost his testimony. One of his own mighty men lost their life. A lot can happen in the time it takes for you to get back on the same page with God. They could have been on the same page with God in verse number one, but they didn't trust God. They doubted God. And so finally, God goes through this entire process, and they finally get where they need to be 22 verses later. Here's the question I want to ask you this morning. I wonder what will happen in my life and yours, in the life of our country that we love, in the time that it takes us to go from our way to God's way. How much time are we wasting this morning? What kind of process are we going to have to go through to finally realize that God's way was the way that we need? We're wasting a lot of time this morning. I believe we've wasted a lot of time the last two years. Why? Because we still want to go our way. God, I want to figure it out my way. They had to have a part. God, you know what? I want to see how this works. I want to have a part in my will in my life. And God says, okay, it's going to take you a while to learn that lesson, but you can learn it that way if you want, or else you could just trust what I have to say for you. I read a crazy story yesterday about NASA when NASA was getting all of the equipment ready to go to space. And one of the things they realized is that a ballpoint pen will not write in space. You know, not one of the first problems I would have thought of. But evidently, it was a, a crisis that they couldn't have ballpoint pens in space. True story, NASA scientists spent uh, 10 years and $12 billion developing a pen that writes in zero gravity. Hey, I think our astronauts ought to be equipped. But you know what the Russians did? They gave them pencils. <laughs> no joke. All right, they probably couldn't afford to develop a ballpoint pen that writes in zero gravity, you know. But they said, you know, we're just going to save time and money, and we're just going to use a pencil. And we're thinking, you're probably thinking very bad things about our government right now. Stop, okay? Don't quench the spirit. You can do that when you get home. That's when I do it, okay, in my car. But I want you to think about you and me this morning. How much time, effort, and resources do we waste when the answer is right there in front of us? Just trust God. Every time you have to go find and try your own way to figure out God's will, you're wasting time and you're wasting resources. Number two, notice our answers get delayed by doubt. The longer you doubt God, the longer your answer is going to be delayed. Number three, I'll give you this and we're going to close. If you would, look down to verse 22. Verse 22. If you're going to gain access to God's answers, you realize, number one, he has the answers in advance. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to have faith. God has the answers. Number two, every time we doubt God, we delay it by going through processes to find out what he already told us. Finally, we get down to verse 22. And the Bible says, therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. If the man should yet come thither, and the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. That verse jumped out at me, the last part of verse 22. He hath hid himself among the stuff. Now, this is what was amazing. The answer 
that they were looking for was closer than they thought. As a matter of fact, the whole time they're going through this process, the answer was right under their nose. But they had to go through this whole process. Now, it's hard to see now, but the answer they were looking for was hiding behind some stuff. He was right there. Now, when Saul originally was chosen by God to be king, he was a humble man. He was a humble man. I don't believe that Saul was running from God. I really don't. I think he was so humble, he thought to himself, look, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Nobody would have thought it was me, but God called me. God picked this lowly nobody, listen, out of, out of the tribe of Benjamin to be the king. And he's over there hiding thinking, you know what, I can't do this. I think he was honestly just a little bit shy. And yet there he was all the same. And there's an important truth. I'll give you this. And we'll have our invitation this morning. The third truth about getting access to God's answers. Sometimes answers get concealed by stuff. Sometimes answers get concealed by stuff. Now here's the truth. The answer they were seeking but couldn't find was right there all along. It was right there all along. They were overlooking it. It was right there. Do you know... God is my heavenly father. He's not Zeus up on Mount Olympus with his lightning bolts. I'm thankful because he didn't zap me too, okay? No, he's my father. He's my father. Not only is he a father, he's a spiritual father. I'm a fleshly father and I try to do good things for my child, but I'm flesh and sometimes I'll neglect my child. He never neglects me. But if me is a fleshly father doesn't want to withhold good things from my child, how much more a spiritual heavenly father is not going to hide the answers I'm looking for? Now, I want you to notice this. It was not God that hid Saul. Verse 22, behold, he hath hid himself. He hid himself. Can I tell you, oftentimes in life, God's already given us the answer for what we're looking for but the stuff of life has concealed it from us. Could we all agree this morning that the stuff of life can quickly conceal what God wants us to have? Can I ask you, does life ever get in the way? It gets in the way sometimes. All that you have going on, all that you're working for, your ambitions, your desires, maybe even your opinions this morning, gets in the way of what God wants to show you. God says, I'm your father. Matter of fact, Matthew 6, what does it say? When speaking of our needs, it says, take no thought. God says, I don't want you to worry about that. Take no thought for your needs. Why? Because your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of them. I mean, God knows what I need before I ever ask him about it. Paul goes a little step further in Philippians 4, 19 and says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So if he knows what we need and wants to supply all of our needs, then why on earth do we ha not have what we need? I'll tell you, I believe the answers are hidden in stuff. The answers are being hidden by stuff. You say, well, what stuff? Well, you look at that word stuff, it just simply means ordinary furniture. Ordinary furniture. Just normal, everyday items that he was hiding behind. Folks, if you're not careful, we'll think to ourselves that it takes deep sin to hide the blessings and promises and answers from God. You know, we're at home in the back closet with candles and a Ouija board. Oh, that's why I'm not getting answers from God. No, if you're not careful, the simple, everyday, ordinary stuff of life 
will get in the way of finding the answers from God. Let me give you a couple of examples before we close. Just a few chapters later, David is going to become king. David is. God says, Jesse, one of your boys is going to be king. I mean, how exciting is that? You know, God tells you one of your kids is going to be king. So he brings his sons together, but he leaves David behind. He said, watch this, surely not, surely not. Jesse says, you know what, in my mind, it's going to be one of these, but definitely not him. And all of a sudden, Samuel comes up to anoint the second king, and he says, you know, duck, duck, goose, no, 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 no. Samuel says, do you have any more sons? He goes, yeah. I mean, the run of the family, he's over there in the field, and Jesse was thought, surely not him, but that's who God chose. Can I tell you what God in Jesse's way, it was his own ideas. His own ideas were the stuff that was hiding the answer. of God says, no, it's David. And Jesse says, oh, no, that's not what I thought. Can I tell you, oftentimes, what stands in the way of me finding God's answers for my life, it's what I think. It's what I think. What is it? It's the stuff. This morning, the answers God wants for your life could be on the other side of some stuff, and the stuff could just be what you think. You say, God, listen, I'm waiting for the answer, but it couldn't be that. Oh, yes. Surely not. Look, I told you so many times when God moved us here, I told God I would do anything. Listen, I love you, okay? I had nothing against the church, but I'm thinking, God, just look, please don't move me. Please. I hate moving. I do. Next time, we're going to sell the whole house. And everything, if the Lord ever moves us to a mission field or something, and we're going to start all over. I hate packing. I hate all that. My God, just please not. And God says, yep, yep, that's it. That's your David. You got to get over your ideas. Your idea is the stuff of life that's hiding the will of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not. Lean not. Get over what you think. Why? Because sometimes answers get concealed by stuff. Real quickly, Mark chapter 4. This is the last one I'll give you, and we'll close. Mark chapter 4, verse 19, it talks about the parable of the sower. We know it well. We won't turn there. Some of the seed got sown, the Bible says, in ground that had thorns and thistles that rose up and choked it out. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 19. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. What happened? Why did they miss out there? Why was the outcome not good? It was the stuff of life was choking it out. God says, look, I got something good and I want you to have it, but you're letting the stuff of life. Can I ask you this morning, could it be the cares of this world? You're so focused on the cares of this world, you're missing out on the answer that God wants for you. Not too long ago, this has happened twice since I've been here. Not too long ago, one of the ushers came and got me after a service. There's someone wants to talk to you. So I met a gentleman that was there and I said, how can I help you? He says, well, tonight I'm going to take my life. And before I do, I wanted to stop and get you to pray with me. That's happened twice since I've been here. So obviously we wanted to help. And one of the other men came back and we sat down in the office and we talked with him. And here's what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, I've passed this church many times in my life. And tonight on my way to take my life, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just turn in. Maybe I'll just turn in. And the man got saved that night. And he's still alive. But you know, I wonder if he'd have turned in sooner. Maybe he wouldn't have got to that point. But the cares of life, 
We got places to go, kids to ball practice. We got to make the money, got to go to the bank, we got to buy the groceries, all cares of life. And we keep passing up, passing up, passing up the answer to what we're looking for. And finally, we go through these horrific processes of life of regret and heartache and pain. And finally, we get to the place where we could have been if we had just obeyed God's word from the beginning. Now, thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God that he allows us to turn in before it's too late. But folks, it doesn't have to be that way. If you just be willing to sift through some of the stuff of life that's hiding the answer that's in plain sight right there in front of you. Folks, can I ask you this morning, what's hiding the answer that God's trying to show you? What's in the way? The whole time Saul was sitting right there, the answer to what they were looking for. Now, this morning I'm going to give you the bad news. I'll give you the good news. The bad news is we have a lot of questions but don't have answers. The good news is God has answers to every question that we have. And he wants us to have it this morning, but here's the problem. We've got to know how to access it. He told us in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I'll answer thee and I will show thee. God says, I'll show you. I want you to know. Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. God's got the answers we're looking for. But here's what we've got to understand. Number one, understand God had the answer long before you had the problem. God had the answer that was there. But sometimes in our life, the reason we're not getting the answer is we're doubting God and it's delaying the answer. Just take him at his word. Could I beg you this morning, don't waste 22 verses of your life. I wouldn't waste 22 seconds of my life if I were you. I would just say, okay, God, we're going to trust you. Whatever you say, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to waste any more time or my life or my resources. I'm just going to trust you. Or else, can I tell you what you're dooming yourself to? You're dooming yourself to delaying and missing out on what God has for you right now. But then sometimes I believe we need to consider the answer may be right in front of us. Right in front of us but the stuff of life is hiding it. How many times a day do you reckon you walk past your coffee table and you pass up this? This is the answer book. Can I tell you how guilty I am? I'm so guilty. I'll come home after a long day and I'll get on my phone reading the news, what's going on, and man, just start fretting. Just start worrying. Oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? You know, what are we gonna do? Cases spiking, all this. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And all the while, right there on the coffee table, He's given the answer in advance. If I'd just be willing to sift through the stuff of life, can I ask you this morning, do you have access to God's answers? You could. You could. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ, and you're wondering where you're going to spend eternity, look, God's already answered that, and his name is Jesus. You could be saved today. If you're here this morning as a child of God, listen, and you got questions, look, God's better than Radio Shack. He's got answers. But you got to be willing this morning just to trust him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet.